0: Welcome back everyone to the guys and ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone and it, it's Sunday. It's around eight o'clock. I just watched the Saints win. So it's, it's not been a total bust of a weekend for football for me. Rob, on the other hand, a brutal weekend. Washington loses, UVA loses in historically bad fashion. Rob, uh, one word to describe your football weekend.
1: Uh, disappointing although mm-hmm. I guess we'll hold out hope for the fantasy team you know maybe they can yeah. salvage that yeah but yeah no it's a, a tough weekend to be a, a football fan in my household
0: even even my fantasy team's gonna win you know I've got the Saints were playing the Bucks, but I've got Brady and Mike Evans luckily Brady threw four touchdowns and then I went ahead my my opponent doesn't have anyone left and I was like cool now the Saints can beat down on him and uh, we ended up winning which is great So I'm happy about that, but I'm not happy about the UVA defense. Brennan gets hurt at the end of the game, obviously, and UVA loses 66 to 49 in Provo. We're going to discuss it. I think this is, I think it's going to be more of a feelings podcast. There's not, there might be some stats thrown out, Rob, but I'm feeling like I just need to like kind of talk through it a little bit is that how you're feeling or do you or do you want more structure
1: no i mean we'll we'll get some stats in there here and there but yeah i mean just reading the sentiment on twitter reading the sentiment on the message boards and just talking to people you know you included i definitely feel like there's a lot of frustrations that I guess we'll just air out here <laughs> yeah, exactly. over
0: the course of the podcast. Exactly. And before we get into it, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Symbol. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7 thousand plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams visit www.simbull.com to create a free account and when you deposit make sure to use the promo code sd to make your deposit risk-free visit symbol.com and use the promo code sd use and your deposit will be risk free that means even if you lose money symbol will refund your initial deposit no questions asked join symbol and start investing and profiting on your favorite teams We are also sponsored by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in, in on the conversations that you listen to on your podcasts every single day. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever groups you want. Go ahead and share your takes on Spotify Greenroom. So I feel like you know watching the game on Saturday against BYU. I just I think the comparison to the UNC game is eerily similar. I think that I think it makes a lot of sense for Halloween weekend kind of spookiness. Um, against UNC, UVA goes down really early, comes back to take a lead at halftime, and then ends up losing. In really bad fashion, mostly because the defense cannot keep up with the other team's offense they're both on the road they were both against ranked teams is this does this have anything to do with i I want your opinion do you think this has anything to do with like how the teams are being prepared for these high profile road games?
1: you know I don't know if it's necessarily that as much as it is. I think we just have to consider like the game against UNC and even the game against Wake Forest, you know, our three losses are against the three best teams UVA has played admittedly. And yeah. UNC is not ranked right now, although they definitely gave Notre Dame a good fight mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. But then Wake Forest is ranked 10th and now BYU is ranked 17th. So I don't think it has as much to do with, like getting prepared i think it's more so that just this virginia defense in particular and even the offense to some extent because the offense has stalled out in these games as well in Mm -hmm. the second half as well as they played in the first halves of these games but i think it's more so just there's a level of competition that this defense just isn't ready to face and it can get real ugly in those situations as we saw against unc and uh
0: BYU so against BYU UVA only scores one touchdown after we scored 42 points in the first half which is insane and then we score one touchdown in the third quarter none in the fourth quarter I feel like some of this has to come back on the coaching staff and not just the players I know the players aren't executing as much but especially this season it's become clear several times that I don't think that we adjust well after halftime. You know, like if you think about like BYU's defense clearly changed up what they were doing. BYU's offense stopped going tempo, started running the ball a lot more. Is our coaching staff not adjusting as well? This is, do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, offensively, it's maybe a little bit tougher to say. I mean, I think, maybe it's more so to a nice credit, just how good they've been in the first half as then. And I might just really be out scheming people mm-hmm. in the first half of games. And then maybe, maybe the defense of the opponent catches up. I mean, tough to say, I think, you know, I think maybe you could say it's coaching, but I think it's more so this three, three, five defense, which if we want to have a broader conversation about, we can, but Virginia has struggled so much to play this scheme. And mm-hmm. They have said, you know, they really had to simplify the scheme and there's less blitz calls. You know, I think the coverages are simpler because what we saw is when they tried to start out the season with more on their plate, you know, UNC carved them up. Wake Forest carved them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, for that third quarter against Louisville, Louisville carved them up. So I think what's happening is maybe the scheme is you know simpler and then the defense or the opposing offenses are able to adjust to it after halftime Mm -hmm. but you know i think it's a combination of that and the fact that just virginia really isn't good in this defensive scheme right now and they were making incremental progress i would say but i feel like a lot of that seemed to be lost against byu
0: yeah i it's just it's so disheartening to see you know our offense score 42 points in the first half you know, most of it in the second quarter, and then we still lose the game because we give up sixty six points. Most since um, a loss against Texas way back in the day. I forget the year. I, do you know the year of that that loss? I don't know. It's just um, it's just frustrating to see that. You know, it's because like this team. I feel like the season has been. We, We've talked about the up and down of the season, right? The first two wins were awesome. We lose two in a row, UNC and Wake Forest, better ACC teams. And then we go on a four-game win streak against the ACC. Some really difficult wins against Miami and Louisville, both on the road. We got some really great wins in Duke and Georgia Tech. And then we come into BYU feeling like it's a big time to – or it's a, it's a time to show kind of the, the rest of the country what UVA can do. And I think we did. We just also showed that we can't hang with really good teams.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that might be the biggest takeaway right now. And um, 1977 is actually the answer to your Texas question. Okay. So the 66 points allowed versus BYU – um, was the most since it was a 68 to zero loss against Texas in 1977. And I should add, I don't think BYU had scored more than 35 points all season. No, they had. They scored 66 against UVA. So, I mean, there's clearly problems with the defense. Um, and I think that's basically the best way to put it. I mean, I typically try to rewatch every game that UVA has played. Mm-hmm. I've rewatched every game they've played this season. And I will admit it's Sunday, so maybe I'll get to it later this week and rewatching the BYU game. But I don't really know what I'm going to learn from that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like there was things that were oh so close, you know. It was big holes. It was missed tackles. It was just bad coverage. Like, you know, it was a lot of bad going on and I don't think there's really going to be huge takeaways. Now, hopefully the staff can find some. That's Mm -hmm. what they're paid a lot of money to do. But, yeah, so I mean, it's... It's certainly frustrating, and I think level of competition is part of it. Um, and, you know, as we alluded to, Virginia has probably lost against the best three teams they've played this year. Um, I think they caught Miami at a good time. Van Dyke is starting to look the part at quarterback, and they obviously beat Pittsburgh this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, I mean, if we're talking about level of competition, we're going to – see stronger opponents as we close out the season you know notre dame is ranked eighth and again this is another thing we can talk about i would i actually think virginia can hang with notre dame if brennan armstrong is playing now of course i don't know it seems probably unlikely that he'll be able to Mm -hmm. and then pittsburgh just dropped out of the top 25 and then oh yeah by the way virginia tech which virginia tech they could make a little bit of a run here looking at their schedule so anyway yeah, I mean, I think we're clearly struggling against teams that are, you know, above average. I think Virginia is doing what it should against the lesser opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if Brennan Armstrong can't play, it might be tough to envision UVA winning another game this in the regular season.
0: Yeah, and and that's disheartening too because you know we are, I mean, we are six and we're six and three, so we are bowl eligible. But if we go, if we lose the last four games of the season against, you know, probably the four best teams we're going to face. You know, Wake has really come on strong, last undefeated team in the ACC. And, you know, UNC has Sam Howell and just destroyed us. But, you know, at BYU, which is a top 25 team, Notre Dame, which is a team that, you know, we is always good Pitt is at the top of the coastal right now, and tech we've had trouble beating. It's just it's just frustrating that this team had the potential to be really good. A really good team. And mostly because of the offense. But the defense is holding us back. And it's so frustrating to me to watch the offense score forty-two points in the first half and then We lose by 17 points. We lose by three scores. It's not even close. It's not even close. And so I think that's that's where my frustration is.
1: Yeah, I mean, 35 points in a quarter, too, in the second quarter. I mean, the offense scored a touchdown on six straight possessions. It's insane. And I mean, it's explosive, man. And it was getting national attention. I mean, people enjoy watching UVA. They enjoy watching Brendan Armstrong because Mm -hmm. this is an offense that not only like UVA – people like haven't really seen before but nationally this offense is producing at a rare clip um but I think the point you bring up I think it's the perfect segue into just talking about this defense a little bit because Mm -hmm. we've talked about it you know going back to the offseason when there were hints yeah I mean when there were hints they were going to make the scheme switch and then they did and then there were the positives the first two weeks and the negatives like we keep talking about it and It still bothers me a little bit that we really haven't had a rhyme or reason to do so, or at least one that, you know, Bronco and the defensive staff have explained. Mm. And, you know, Virginia last year was really bad against the pass. Um, They were actually pretty good against the run, but they were really bad against the pass. But guess what? Virginia this year is bad against everything. They're 121st. Out of I think it's 129 teams, 130 teams. Anyway, they're 100. Okay, so they're 121st in total defense. Um, Pass defense is 92nd in the country, and then the rush defense is 124th in the Mm -hmm. country. And like putting it into context with BYU, I mean, we allowed a career high pass yard total to their Mm -hmm. quarterback, and we also allowed a career high rush total to their running back. I mean, this is a defense that teams get right against you know people offenses that are you know maybe struggling or maybe not putting up explosive numbers they face virginia and they feel good again you know they're scoring a lot of points but this is something that i think you know i'd really love to hear bronco talk about why the scheme switch was made and then why they decided to do it now Because as you alluded to this is an offense that was putting up incredible numbers still might we'll see what happens with brennan um but they're putting up numbers at a clip that's unprecedented in UVA's football history. And Bronco alluded to it before the season. They knew this offense was going to be really good. Mm -hmm. I think it might be better than they expected, but they knew it was going to be really good. So that brings the question, why make this team switch, you know, on defense? Is it because they thought there was more margin for error with the offense scoring more points? Is it because they had, The super seniors here, the Joey Blunt, the Mandy Alonzo's, the you know as much hate as they get, the Nick Grant, Nick Grant and Devonte Crosses, the guys coming back, you know, did he think that maybe having those guys would make the switch easier, and now is the time to do it? Mm -hmm. Because then you could also reverse that and make the argument that hey, if the offense was going to be so good, maybe we just go for broke this year and say hey, you know, like let's stick with a three-four, let's do what we can, but let's try to have a really really good year. Yeah. And Bronco is always thinking long term, so I don't think that's how he would have thought it through. But, you know, th- these are like the speculations we're making because we really don't know. And I, for one, would really like to hear, you know, the logic behind the scheme switch and, you know, why it was chosen to be done and why it was chosen to be done now. Mm-hmm. Because when you're giving up points like this and you're giving up yards, and you're literally at the bottom of every defensive category. I mean, like we're not creating turnovers. We're not getting sacks. You know, when you have a defense like this, I think some answers are probably warranted from the staff.
0: No, I agree. And you know, I, I think the easy answer is just to say like the switch was made because in theory, the three three five should be better against the pass and against long balls, which is which was our our Aquila's heel last year was the long passes that our secondary gave up. Our secondary was really bad last year. And last year, our linebackers and defensive line were pretty serviceable, actually pretty good against the run, as you said earlier. When you put five defensive backs back there, the hope is that they can maybe stop more long balls, which I think this year we have. And unfortunately, what it's done is it's spread us out so much and we're so thin along the front line that people are able to just run down our throats as you said we're one of the worst teams in the country at defending the run we give up 219 rushing yards per game uh, to go along with 247 uh, passing yards per game and about 30 point about 31 points per game which is a lot and luckily our offense has surpassed that a lot of times but you know people gain so many yards rushing against us that we can't stop it when when you're rushing for five or six yards to carry against this uva defense you can just run it down our throats and just march down the field and that's really what byu did byu averaged i think it was eight yards on first down eight or it was either eight or nine yards on first down i think it was nine i think it was nine yards on first down plays which is outrageous when you do that you can do whatever you want right and so we have no way of stopping teams from scoring like they score the only reason we are 6 and 3 and not 4 and 5 is because of two field goal kickers right like we could easily be 4 and 5 and then have really no hope of getting a bowl game but we have a bowl game because we have some luck on our side and so I, I just think it's, I think the season is just, it's been kind of ruined by this defense that has not performed up to expectations or done what the coaching staff hoped it might do when they implemented it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to argue with that. And you know i i don't really know what they're going for as far as personnel goes in this defense cuz they haven't told us but i mean it's a shame you i mean cuz you still have good defensive players you know nick jackson is a great player and he had 16 tackles i want to say i was just looking at stats earlier uh, yeah he has 86 tackles on the season mm-hmm. like that's an impressive number but so many times you know the weakness of this defense is just guys are really struggling with their gap integrity yeah. and that's with the linebackers and it's with the secondary too. And that's part of the thing with three, three, five is you're playing with an extra defensive back on the field. So the defensive backs have more of a role in the run fits. And if a defensive back, misses a run fit as several have done over the past few weeks, then yeah, like that's some problems and that can give up some big gains. But yeah, I mean, you have a great player in Nick Jackson who, you know, is just, it's a shame that he's having a transition in this defense and Noah Taylor. I mean, we saw so many great things from Noah Taylor in 2019, but I feel like he's being played out of position now. And I feel like Mm -hmm. he was played out of position last year as well. And so, you know, there's good players on this team. And I think there's talented youngsters that, you know, whether they're freshmen, sophomores that have gotten some run and I think can be good players you know I think of Hunter Stewart I think of West Weeks you know Deshaun Perry was getting some run um James Jackson and those are just the linebackers but you know you have these players and you have to ask yourself you know is this what they're really going for like mm-hmm. it's you know is are they playing in position is this defense best aligned to their strengths cuz you would think that if they made the switch for the long term then They probably should be like, that's probably what they had in mind is getting these young guys in position to succeed and having a system they can recruit for moving forward. But you know, the defense has just struggled so much. It's tough to really know.
0: Mm -hmm. And, And I feel like, and I tweeted this out last night too. Like I, they can't, there's no way they can change the defense this late in the season. Right. Like if we had a bye week like week three or week four, like sometimes we have in the past, like in October, maybe, but, probably doubtful like we we're going to see the 335 throughout the end of the season they they just they just can't change it on a whim but like do you think they stick with this next year because it's not working right now like this is one of the worst defenses in the country it's one of Broncos worst defenses ever and he's a defensive guy like he's a defensive coach he's not an offensive coach i like, they they have to change it next year right
1: I mean, something's got to change next year and they reshuffled the staff defensively. I don't know if they want to evaluate that. I don't know if Bronco wants to, you know, I know he would be reluctant to, but I don't know if it makes sense for him to become the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. in place of how. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I don't think they'd change it. Um, I know they have the bye coming up where yeah. they play Notre Dame in two weeks. I don't think they changed the defense. Um, at least this season, I could certainly see some adjustments being made and some adjustments have been made, but, you know, maybe just bringing Joey Blunt into the box more and, mm-hmm. you know, his middle safety is in theory is safety that should be able to play in the box more. And I, my guess is that they're not doing that as much with him because of durability concerns, but, you know, Nick Grant has played in the box a decent amount. Maybe they do that. Maybe they use Antonio Clary more at one of the safety positions and bring him in the box. Like, I think you have to do something to stop the run and, you know, maybe that's it. We saw some of that done in earlier games this season, Mm -hmm. but that's the problem when you have so many defensive backs on the field and you play these teams that can spread you out. And yeah, I mean, you're just left with five on five offensive linemen versus the front five at that point, just hat on a hat and it can work. So anyway, long way of saying, I don't think they're going to change the base defense. Um, as you alluded to, but maybe we'll see some tweaks for the final stretch here. Mm -hmm. Next season, I don't know. I mean, I think Bronco probably made the switch intending to stick with this for the long term. I mean, I think that's the only reason you make a switch like this, when you know there's probably going to be growing pains. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this season has made him second-guess that. And, again, we're speculating because Nikal hasn't touched on why they made the switch. Bronco hasn't touched on why they made the switch but I would think something has got to change this season and whether it's the scheme whether it's the coaching staff responsibilities Mm -hmm. or you know whatever it may be I'm with you like the Broncos one of his tenants and one of the things I love a lot just not just from a football and Broncos sense but just in general is that organizations are perfectly designed to get the results they get and I mean this is This defense has been poor this year, without question. So you have to think something needs to change.
0: All right. I want to talk about, I want to bring some stats into it. This was purely emotion from the start. I want to get real with it and say why I'm just so mad that we can't (laughs) win games with this defense. Uh, There's been, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to go through all the losses so far. And then uh, some of our wins as well uh, with the rushing defense that we've had so against carolina uh carolina had two 100 yard rushers that game they had ty chandler who averaged 9.9 yards a carry 198 yards two touchdowns and sam howell quarterback 112 yards 7.5 yards a carry um when you're averaging 10 yards a carry you should just run it every time uh, there's no reason the Howell only had 300 only 300 yards passing on 14 completions that game and he still ran for 112 yards so that's you know that's kind of where we're at against wake forest wake forest is kind of the outlier but their runner their their main guy Justice ellison still averaged 6.6 yards a carry on 86 yards uh against miami miami's running back cameron harris averaged 7.9 yards a carry, 111 yards. That was in a win against Louisville. Same thing. Hassan Hall gashed us for 11.6 yards a carry, 162 yards, one touchdown. And then Georgia Tech, another win. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had 132 yards and averaged 10 yards a carry. And against BYU, Algier had 266 yards, 9.2 yards carry, 5 touchdowns on 29 attempts. I mean, when you can't when you just let people just run wherever they want to because the the front as you said the front five are blocking, the running back can just go and pick a gap where there's no linebacker and then just run. And You know, whether it's gap assignments or whether it's the scheme itself or whether our players just cannot, you know, they they blamed it a lot on the physicality of BYU and that has something to do with it. But we just weren't tackling well either. And so, you know, it like the run defense, I think, is the main reason why this is not working for whatever reason. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, Make sure to use the promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. Visit symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting on your favorite teams. We are also sponsored by Spotify green room spotify green room is a live audio only sports talk platform talk to me other fans athletes and insiders in real time Get in in on the conversations that you listen to on your podcasts every single day all you need to do is download the spotify green room app for free in the ios app store create a profile link your twitter and join whatever groups you want go ahead and share your takes on spotify green room
1: there are some things that are too good
0: to keep a secret
2: indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: yeah no i mean i agree 100 percent. and thanks for pulling up all those stats i mean i think that illustrates perfectly the problem with the run defense and on top of that it's not even like we're great against the pass we're 92nd right. nationally against the pass i mean this is a defense that struggles in all facets of the game mm-hmm. um you know we've had very few sacks on the season We've had very few turnovers on the season. Um, and that used to be like the calling card of this defense. You think to twenty eighteen yeah. it was all about turnovers. The so, one Thornhill, Bryce Hall, you know, Tim Harris, Brendan Nelson, like those guys were getting picks. And then you go to twenty nineteen and all our guys were getting sacks. I mean, our defensive line guys had four and five sacks. I think mm. Noah Taylor had seven and a half that year. Um, you know, Snowden had a couple. Like it was 2018 was all about turnovers and 2019 was all about pressure. And then last year was weird. But then this year, like there's no identity. Like they've had to scale back all the pressure packages Mm -hmm. because, you know, basically they had to simplify things just to, you know, keep up. And I thought it was interesting. Again, I haven't rewatched this game yet. Um, (laughs) You know, TBD if I even will, but the nickel packages, they were using a lot of one five, five in the past few games. And, this game against BYU, they kinda went away from it. They mm. went some two four five, which we had seen before. So, you know, I say that because like they're really grappling with what this identity is. And, you know, even what we thought we knew, you know, coming out of this four game win streak and against Duke and Georgia Tech in particular, you know, it seemed to get shuffled again and the loss against BYU. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad you bring up the stats and I mean I think it's hard to argue that there's, you know, nothing wrong with this defense because there's certainly a lot wrong and, right, you know, against Notre Dame and against Pitt and against Virginia Tech, those are all three physical teams and this mm-hmm. defense is going to get tested much as they were against BYU and BYU was probably the worst matchup for us of the season, but. It's not going to get much easier, um, especially against Notre Dame and Pitt coming up.
0: Right. And even Virginia Tech, who is a physical team, and even though they're not playing well right now, you know, they're four and four, they they will play up to whatever we, however good we are in that final game of the season. So, you know, I'm not looking forward to to that game right now at all because, you know, they're just going to run it down our throats and then do whatever to us. It's just going to be awful. Um, one last stat, all of those running backs, uh, most of them almost doubled their season average in yards per rush. Um, Jameer Gibbs only averaged 5.2, he had 10.2 against UVA. Hassan Hall is really, uh, for Louisville, really the only one who didn't do that. He averages 7.5 yards a carry, which is insane, but he averaged 11.6 against UVA. Cameron Harris, kind of the same thing, 5.8 to 7.9 for Miami. Uh Justice Ellison, another one, 5.3 average 6.6 total. Uh, but Ty Chandler, you know, he had 5.5 to 9.9. And of course Algier last night uh averages 5.6 yards of carry, but 5.7 yards a carry, but nine uh but nine point two last night. So it's just like we're allowing these running backs to have career highs and we we allowed BYU to have score the most points they've ever scored before in a game. And it makes me mad the most that we Brennan Armstrong's having one of the best seasons. Oh, well, probably, you can argue, maybe the best season a UVA quarterback's ever had. Breaks the single-season passing yards record last night as well before going out with a rib injury. And he's not going to be able to get recognized for that because of this defense holding him back, right? Like, a lot of people think he should be, well, a lot of UV fans think he should be in Heisman conversations because he's has the most passing yards in the country. But he's not. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Heisman politics is kind of weird. Uh, they like to give it to teams who actually win and do well. This defense isn't allowing... Brennan to do that and so this team might be remembered for going six and six you know and depending on how our bowl game goes seven or six six and seven because of because of the defense it's going to be another average year for a lot of people in their memories
1: yeah I mean I think it's a great transition to talk about the offense a little bit Mm -hmm. and um, Brennan Armstrong as well but yeah I mean you could also probably make the reverse argument of that as well is that maybe part of the reason Brennan Armstrong's stats are so good is because they have to be, because they know they have to score basically every possession. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly that as well. Um, but listen, I mean, as you alluded to, the Heisman contest is largely a popularity contest, mm-hmm. and it goes typically to a player that's on a playoff-caliber team. Yeah. The last player to win the Heisman that was not on a playoff-caliber team was um lamar jackson and louisville in 2016
0: but he was insane but he had insane numbers that year
1: he had insane numbers and i think he had insane quote-unquote moments too like i still remember vividly him hurdling that syracuse guy for the touchdown yes and brennan armstrong had if uva was able to win the game against byu i think brennan armstrong would have started getting more attention because he had moments like that in that game. Yeah. You know, the one that comes to mind is when he eluded two defenders from that sack, and you know he's almost back in the fifty-yard line, and he takes off and just honestly walks in for that touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's putting up all the passing yards too. So he yeah. had his chance to get moments in there, and he largely capitalized on them. Um, it's just a shame he got hurt. And you know, I think it probably makes sense to talk a little bit about. You know what? What expectations might be for Brennan Armstrong, mm-hmm. and honestly, Jay Wolf potentially, and the rest of the offense. I,
0: this is a big "what if" moment for us because we we don't know for certain what what his the extent of his injury is. You know, Brennan came off the field, and if you read his lips, you could see him pointing to his rib and saying, "It's broken. It's broken." And if anyone's ever had a rib injury before, you know that. It is really difficult to breathe. It hurts. It is really difficult to do things normally. And if you're throwing a football, you can't do it with a broken rib. Like it you're you'd be in a lot of pain doing that. And I know Brennan's tough, but I it's really hard to I, I can't see if he has a broken rib, I can't see him playing against Notre Dame or maybe the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and I mean If history is any indication, you know, I know from your perspective, Drew Brees came back from broken ribs last year. Um, I think it was like four to six weeks or something like that. Like there's a very real possibility if Brendan Armstrong did in fact break his ribs, then you know, there's a very real possibility he might not play for the rest of the season. In which case, or sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was was just going to say, but you know, like Drew Brees was also what 40 when that happened it's yeah. tougher on the body so maybe Brennan can come back earlier but it would be I think he'd be hard pressed to to do that
1: yeah and you know if Brennan isn't the quarterback then it's going to be true freshman Jay Wolfalk. and I like Wolfalk. um and I think the staff likes him too I mean we knew and we talked about this a couple weeks ago about him being the first quarterback off the bench against Duke and what that meant. Well, it's probably good. We have that conversation, so we don't necessarily have to rehash it here, but you know, wolf folks going to be challenged and he's going to, his first start, assuming he starts in two weeks is going to be against what is currently the number 18 in the country in Notre Dame. And I mean, that's a huge stage for him for a true freshman. And, you know, I think he'll have his moments, but, I think realistically, you know, having somewhat tempered expectations is, you know, probably the best way to go about it because he's, they're probably going to have to scale back the offense for him first and foremost. Yeah. You know, I don't expect him to throw 60 times a game like Brennan did. They're probably going to try to run the football more, probably try to make there be fewer possessions in the game so he's able to capitalize on him more, but Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And it's also, from a personnel standpoint, kind of a shame as well because, you know, we brought in two quarterbacks in this class, um, being Jay Woolfolk and Jacob Rodriguez. And we already burned Rodriguez's redshirt because he's playing that football player position. Um, And now it looks like we'll probably have to burn Jay Woolfolk's redshirt as well, you know, if he's the one playing these last few games. So, you know, it's a shame from that perspective as well. So anyway, I'm curious what you think about, you know, we haven't seen much of Wolfolk, but, you know, him potentially finishing out the season as a starter. How do you feel about that? How do you think the offense might change? You know, what's, what's your comfort level with him if he does play the rest of the season I mean, moving forward? I mean, I'm
0: not comfortable with that at all. I would much prefer Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong's been incredible. His accuracy's been really good. He's made big plays. You know, he had two touchdowns or sorry, two interceptions last night. Uh, neither of them were particularly the first one was particularly bad, uh, just gave BYU a lot of momentum. But then the second one, I think he was trying to do too much. And of course, we learned later he he had an injured rib on that throw and so probably wasn't in the best spot to to make that kind of throw that he wanted to and just couldn't get it there but Jay, when Jay Wolfelt came in i mean he you, you we've seen him be able to run the ball which is you know important in this kind of offense we've also seen him uh he made some good passes last night he was 2 of 5 35 yards so not awful but you know he's a freshman quarterback it's very obvious that he is a freshman quarterback and while he does i mean it, i don't know about you but to me it seems like he's got some poise in the pocket Uh, definitely was able to evade some some defenders last night when on that last drive that we had but you know as you saw it was fourth down and it kind of looked like I I guess he was trying to get to to woods but overthrew him kind of looked like he just threw it away out of bounds and that was that was kind of the game right there so he's definitely a freshman you know it's there it's definitely hard to come in you know, off the bench in the fourth quarter in Provo when you're already down 17. And it's that's a tough environment to to make your to make your first play in, to make your first play in. But, but you know, he'll have two weeks to prepare. It's not the worst situation in the whole world. There's definitely worse quarterbacks to have there. But I'd much prefer Brennan Armstrong in that situation. How do you feel?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think he summarized it well. I mean, obviously, I think we'd all prefer Armstrong. I mean, Armstrong is playing at an amazing level right now. Um, And, you know, I think he's deserving of all the recognition he's getting, both in Charlottesville and nationally as well. Um, I think you're right. Woolfolk does look poised. You don't get the feeling that the moment's too big for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why he probably passed Ira Armstead on the death chart. Is because of that poise, and you can see how he's comfortable in the pocket and moving around. And he's smaller than the quarterbacks um, that UVA has typically had. He's, I think, maybe generalist, generously listed at six foot one. I'm not even sure if he's that tall.
0: Um, yeah, I saw five eleven.
1: Oh, well, I'm looking at his recruiting profile, so maybe <laughs> maybe he's shrunk. Uh. Um, Maybe yeah, you're... no, I mean, he, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's 5'11". He looks way more like 5'11 than 6'1". That's what it uh, says
0: That's what it says on ESPN, 5'11", 200 okay. pounds.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be slightly different, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, he's coming in. I think he's a really talented player, and Virginia doesn't recruit, you know, a lot of four- and five-star players. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, for context sake, he was a pretty – mid three-star prospect is probably the best way to put it he was the 34th ranked quarterback in the class according to 24-7 um according to the composite at 24-7 he was the 58th best quarterback in the class mm-hmm. so listen I mean Bryce Perkins wasn't highly recruited Kurt Benker wasn't highly recruited um you know heck Brendan Armstrong wasn't really highly recruited as well but you know just putting the context out there this isn't DJ Uyungle coming off the bench last year against Notre Dame I mean this is you know the type of players that Virginia has had success developing through the system right but he is a true freshman so anyway I say all that to just put some context out there that we're gonna put him in a really difficult situation and thankfully you know the offensive line is overall good and pass protecting I mean, our receivers are outstanding. I mean, Dontavian Wicks is 28 yards away from having a 1,000 yards receiving. And through nine games, you have to remember, he missed almost all of the Louisville game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Keaton Thompson, 663 yards receiving. Billy Kemp, 562. Rashawn Henry, 493. Jelani Woods, 446. I mean, this is an incredible receiving core. And it's a shame we're not talking about them this podcast. And instead, we're focusing on the defense and the backup quarterback. But... You know, he's going to have help, and we've seen how Anai last year really changed the playbook, um, you know, when Brennan Armstrong wasn't able to play against Wake Forest. So, like, I don't think we're going to go all dramatic and have, like, necessarily, like, this three-quarterback system we saw then, but, you know, I think we're going to see more Keaton Thompson. We'll probably mm-hmm. see more Jacob Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. We might see a couple trick plays thrown in there. You know, Devin Darrington looked really good. That yeah. 49-yard touchdown run yeah. was really, really impressive. So, like, we might see more of him, more of Wayne. Um Mike Collins has been dressing for games, although he hasn't been playing. So, listen, there's a lot of different ways this offense can go. And I feel overall pretty comfortable that Anai is going to put the best game plan together that's possible. But it, it could look different than what we've been seeing the first nine games of the season with
0: Brennan Armstrong. I mean, Dr. Bob's called some... Fantastic games so far this season from from his side of the ball. So I, you know, I we've had a lot of problems with Anai over the years. Uh, a lot of fans have just for different reasons, but like this year, he's been pretty much flawless. I would say there's been, you know, there's always a few plays you're like, what the heck was that? But but overall, <laughs> like the games have been really well called by Anai, and he's using Brennan well. He's using his tools really well. He's getting Dontavon Wicks, Jelani Woods, Keaton Thompson billy kemp open uh basically whenever they want to be and i i i'm i'm hoping that he'll he'll do the best that he can with what he has right so if that's with jay Wolfolk, that's great if we do some weird hybrid thing with keton thompson and Wolfolk and maybe rodriguez and who knows maybe even ira armstead gets another shot at getting some qb time that's great too but i i'm expecting that we'll see a mix of things, and you know, probably some Jay Wolfolk as well. And pro, I mean, we've been saying we hope there's more rushing this whole season, but you know, maybe some more <laughs> rushing. And like, I, you know, let's talk about I want to talk about the rushing real quick. Like, Devin Darrington, you said, two rushes, uh, 60 yards, one touchdown, and even Wayne Wayne had uh, four rushes, 32 yards. That's an eight yard average, right? I feel like we've got the people to rush. And maybe it's just because, you know, Brennan was has been passing so well, they just kind of put everyone back and, um, you know, expect the pass. But, you know, maybe this is a time to get more rushing into the game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think a big key of that will be Jay Woolfolk using his legs as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the rushing offense really opened up the past couple of weeks when Brennan Armstrong was able to run. And Brennan Armstrong had 94 yards rushing last night. Um, you know, he had 99 yards rushing against Georgia Tech. So, you know, I think the past couple weeks, in particular, when he when he's been able to run, has really opened everything else up. So, I think Wolfolk, you know, maintaining that ability will be big. Now, it's going to be different with Wolfolk because a he's not as big as Brennan, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a different style of running. They're probably not going to run these counters or these inside zones with him like they do with Brennan Armstrong it'll probably be more outside the hashes um, and it'll also be different because they're gonna have to be careful with him because the backup behind him is Ira Armstead and I really don't think they're comfortable with Ira Armstead throwing the ball right now and for all we know we might have um, shoot um, Jacob Rodriguez you know he might be playing yeah. more quarterback yeah. this the coming weeks just out of precaution you know he really hasn't played quarterback all season but maybe he does so anyway it's gonna look different but I agree with you I mean I think Devin Darrington deserves more touches I mean to be honest with you when Devin Darrington came in you know I was kind of thinking this is just Wayne Talapapa 2.0 like I was I was kind of curious what the decision making was but I think it showed to be good scouting I think Devin Darrington is. At least from my expectations, he's far exceeded them and he looks like a strong runner. Um, great burst. Like he had that stiff arm Mm -hmm. and the speed to get to the end zone. I'd love to see him get more work. I think Wayne is good in the role he plays. You know, we'll see where, um, where if, uh, Mike Collins is able to come back in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think the running game will take more focus now if Brennan Armstrong is not able to play, it just might look a little bit different than what we've seen so far this season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I think that I think we'll, we'll see as the week goes on, you know, if we find out more information about Brennan's injury this week, I, I kind of expect they'll hold on to that information until next week, probably when they're preparing for Notre Dame, they'll probably have to make a decision whether, whether Brennan's going to be able to play or not. And that's going to determine practice and everything like that. So I expect we'll hear more next week. And I expect there's going to be a lot of rumors floating around too about, you know, his status and everything. So just be on the look. I would say don't trust the message boards. Just, you know, wait until Bronco tells you because he'll know best and the doctors know best. And, you know, I hope Brennan's okay and hope he can come back this season, but Broken ribs, man, are tough, and I I just hope he's all right. That's that's the main line because you know he's got a bright future whether he comes back. I I'm almost positive he'll come back next year, but you know if he did go to the draft this year, I would think you know he could have a huge future in the NFL. So, um, but yeah, just hope he's all right.
1: Yeah, I mean him as well as um you know I know Billy Kemp left the game towards the end. Mm -hmm. Wayne Talapapa. looked like potentially concussion uh, symptoms, yeah. you know, hopefully all our guys get right. And yeah, you know, you make a great point about Brennan Armstrong is I'm with you. I think he comes back next season. I think, you know, there's things that he can clean up that can make um, legitimately a high round draft pick yeah. if he does choose to come back. But I think what he's shown this year is that he's got all the skills, like mm-hmm. he can make every throw on the field. He's a good runner. Um,
0: he's got a cannon. You know,
1: it, He's got a cannon for sure. Um, Literally can make any throw like that touch pass over the middle to Keaton Thompson last night was amazing. Like that's such a hard throw. And he's also throwing deep balls. He's throwing, you know, darts to, you know, outside the hashes. So anyway, I'm saying this because, you know, if he's got the tools to go pro now, if he wanted to, Mm -hmm. I think he will come back. So I think his draft stock could probably dramatically improve, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we should just assume necessarily that he's going to come back. Cause I think there is probably a chance that, you know, maybe he's gets a good projection and decides to take off. So yeah. we'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a shame if Brendan Armstrong is not able to play, uh, these final few games. And I mm. guess I'm with you. I don't think the staff will probably tell us that information until they absolutely have to. So that might, I mean, we might not know until day of Notre Dame, but. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for letting me complain and just kind of ramble and say the same things over and over again and, you know, kind of the same things that everyone's been saying this whole season, or at least, you know, especially last night, which is our defense is bad. It's really bad. I, I called it garbage last night. I called it trash. I said that they sucked. And I think I think those things are all still true. Um, it's it's been tough to watch the defense this season, especially because the offense is so good. I think that's what makes it really tough. Rob, is there any last word you would like to say? Thoughts or feelings about the season defense and and how you're looking at their last three games?
1: Yeah, the only thing I would add is that as crazy as it sounds on paper, you know, I think Virginia actually came on ahead yesterday, at least as far as the <laughs> ACC race goes.
0: Wow. Um, okay. maybe, I think you're right. Maybe, I think you're right.
1: Maybe not. Maybe we lost kind of the realistic chance to win the ACC, but with Pittsburgh losing, Virginia mm-hmm. does control its own destiny. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Pitt controls its own destiny too. And as weird as it might sound, I think um, Virginia Tech also controls their own destiny. I think you're right. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean it's crazy. On Twitter, if you were following it yesterday, like everyone was all excited going into the game because Pittsburgh lost, and then after the game, it's, oh man, what happened? So, yeah. anyway, I think it. We should mention that Virginia does technically control its own destiny. Um, and the ACC race for the Coastal Division, it just seems uh, less likely than it did you know, 24, 48 hours ago, that Virginia will be able to capitalize on that opportunity.
0: Yeah, exactly, because, you know, all right, and our game against Notre Dame won't count as an ACC game, so we can get blown out in there and still win the Coastal Division and uh, try and get a rematch with Wake Forest in, uh, Charlotte, it's in Charlotte this year? Is it always in Charlotte?
1: Yeah, I think it's always in Charlotte.
0: Okay, well, in Charlotte, and that would go poorly if uh, if we don't have Brennan back. In any case, I I think I want to end it here. I don't want to keep on rambling. You know, we we Rob, we said thirty minutes for the pod. It's been fifty, and this seems oh to <laughs> this seems to happen a lot. But thanks for hashing it out with me and uh, hopping on on short notice. But thanks to everyone for listening. Know it was a tough loss, but just know that this is uh, you know, with the bye week, hopefully we do fix some problems. I don't know what can be fixed, but in any case, what you can do is make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content out there at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on uh, Spotify and iTunes if you like listening to us. And we will see you guys next time, probably for a basketball preview uh, sometime this week. So get ready for that. We will see you all next time. Go Hoos.
1: Go Hoos.